Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Merry Christmas, everybody. How are you? Good to see you, and uh, great worship this morning, wasn't it? Thank you to our worship team who did an amazing job. Thank you so very much. And hey, I want to give a shout out also to our media and graphics team. They do such an amazing job. Lucas, Josiah, come on, would you show your appreciation? They make it happen around here. All that you see, the hard work that they do, so thankful for them and the blessing that they are. Hey, want to let you know the final count for Heart for the House that came in for two wells, uh, and we are so thankful for your generosity. $40,000 came in, so 20000 to each of those wells, and that is amazing. So thank you for your generosity. What a blessing that is, so thank you so very much, and we get to be able to help provide clean water to those that really are desperately in need, um, both of those in Africa as well. So it's an amazing, amazing excitement that we get to bless those that are less fortunate than us. And I want to give a shout out to our missionaries from Honduras, the Matikas. Matikas, right? Oh, come on, would you stand? Would you show your appreciation and love to them, their whole family here? Yes. Yes, son, daughter. We love you guys and are thankful for your ministry in Honduras, and good to have you with us and your extended family as well. Well, uh, I just uh, heard uh, the question by Pastor Ben, and uh, how many of you are completely done? You said with uh, present shopping and gifts, you're completely done, and uh, great, that's a few of you, and, uh, and so I wonder in that, though, you're completely done, is that because you're really good at buying presents early, or you don't buy anything anyways, and you're like, I'm done? I mean, is that you? you th that just makes it easy every year, right? I just don't buy presents for anybody, so I'm done. Uh, that's not very fun. But, um, and uh, how many of you have not even started yet? We had a few hands in the first service. Have any, there are a few hands here. You haven't even started yet, so you're uh, late to the arrival on that, but you'll get it done here. Um, but how many of you have spent more time looking for what you want this Christmas than anything else, right? That, that's kind of like phase one to um, make sure you help the people who love you, love you. Like, I got to look, you know, right? And, you know, Christmas, is, we know this is that interesting time of year in gift giving because there's a whole spectrum of gift giving people that's represented by people in this room. Some people are really good at gift giving. They're like so specific in giving and it's kind of like it's their superpower to buy unique gifts. Yeah, they're so good at it. Or those gift buyers that just want you to have what they want to give you. Those type of people are, you know, and you're opening it up. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted you to have this. And you try not to look underwhelmed while you're opening it, right? Or there's others of you that maybe you're just generic gift givers, all right? You're just, you're generic gift givers. So, but gift-giving is so unique because sometimes you get something you want, sometimes you get things you need, some things you get things you didn't know you wanted or you needed. And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to fake it. Like when you get a gift, somebody hands it to you, and they're like, open it right now. And you're like, no, open it later. No, no, open it right now. And you feel so much pressure to open the gift right there, and you, you open it there, and you got to act like the actor or the actress of the year when you're open. Oh, my gosh, this is so amazing, even if you don't really care for the gift, right? But we really do want gifts we want. We don't really want the gifts many, many times that we need. 
And uh, I'm not sure what you're anticipating this time of year because there's a well of emotion that comes with this time of year in general. The many things, the craziness, maybe things going on in your life, your family, your job, whatever it may be with a friend or relationship. But I was thinking that Christmas is one of those rare times we kind of like everything about Christmas, but maybe we don't really like what's at the center of Christmas sometimes. People are excited about Christmas sometimes, even if they aren't a Christian, right? Like in America, we've made this whole marketing thing on, on Christmas. We're just, things are better with lights and trees and, you know, we have Will Farrow in Elf at least, but then there's a massive marketing campaign that takes place. But Christmas is, is the gift we want, but many times Jesus is the gift we fail to realize is what we really need in this holiday, And it's around this whole idea of giving that we understand of what God has done for us in in history. Um, You know, like God didn't buy a gift for himself and say, you know what, I really, I really need, I need a son and uh, who takes on flesh and blood. And then, you know, so that's what I'm going to give you in that. But we fail many times to miss out on the true reason of this holiday. See, God did not need to step into human history and take on flesh and blood. God did not need to be born of a virgin for himself. God did not need to walk among us as a human being. God did not need to band together 12 guys and try to begin and bring a revolution to the world. God did not need to suffer, did not need to die. Really, what he did was he did all of that for us. And sometimes I think we, we've got God confused that God does all of this for himself, And sometimes Christians have this narrative in their heart. And it sounds like God's all about himself, only about his glory, only about his fame. Jesus didn't do any of this for himself. God did not step into human history and take on flesh and blood to live a sinless, perfect life, to die on the cross, raised from the dead. We needed him to do that. That is the need, and I think that can change the perspective of maybe our hearts this time of year and all throughout the year, of we needed him to do that for us. So it wasn't something God needed for himself, but we sure did need it. So I'm going to turn to this familiar portion of scripture in Isaiah chapter 9 that you know so well, chapter 9 in the Old Testament of Isaiah, verses 6 and 7, where This will bring out my points today in here. It says, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called, what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. So my four points out of this is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. I have heard this so many times, read this, preached on it, and so have you, if not a thousand times, but there's two words in this that really struck me and that is to us. Can you say that? To us. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. But for to us, he wants us to understand the intention that everything that we ever hear about Jesus, everything that we understand about who he is, Jesus has had one direction and plan and intention, and that is to us. 
If you want to personalize it, it's to you, and we should personalize that today, so let's do that with the people that are around us. Say, it's to you, to you. It is to you. It is to me. This wasn't the gift that God needed. It was the gift that you and I needed. We needed this. And so we understand as we celebrate this time of year, the plan of God is wrapped up in how personal he is to us. We've been in this anticipating Christmas theme here as we carry it through. And uh, we understand that it's all wrapped up in who he is to us. We knew that people were looking for the king to show up a whole lot different than what he came. They anticipated something completely different. But to us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given. And then he lays out this scripture, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, which is really uh, another kind of interesting dynamic, because usually what, when we care about what we're called, it's really about us, right? Our ego, our need, but that is the complete opposite of who God is. Have you ever had someone who demands you call them a certain title? I, I didn't say a certain name, but a certain title, <laughs> You know, I've been called pastor, and that's okay. Some old school people call me Brother Miller. How you doing, Brother Miller, right? That's an old term. Or Reverend Miller. But you know, I am just John, really, right? Um, I had someone call the church last year, and the gentleman said, Father John. I said, I am not Father John. I am not a priest. I just want you to know that. I am not Father John, right? But sometimes we get so wrapped up in the titles of it that it's wrapped into our ego, right? And how you should relate to me or relate to you. But that is not who Jesus is, to build up his ego. It is about our need to us. He tells us that he will be called, not because he needs to be called, because it's our need that we have of him that we need to do that. We need to realize that there are things that God wraps in us about himself. It's wrapped up in our life that we, we understand this and people think about having a relationship with God through Jesus that who Jesus is needs to be unwrapped inside of you. So he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, when I hear the phrase Wonderful Counselor, I go by default in my mind into Wonderful Therapist. Do you ever do that? You look at that wonderful therapist. We are a nation of therapy. I don't know if you knew that or not, but um, if you're not in therapy, you're not trying, right? That's just kind of how the narrative goes. And some have multiple therapists. There's the therapist that you know. It's yourself. You're trying to bring therapy. If you're married, you have a marriage therapist for you and your spouse, and then you have a business and you need a therapist there, and you go on the internet, and you pick up a few more therapists along the way, whatever that you need. And I'm not saying therapists aren't awesome. Please hear my heart. But Jesus is not a therapist. Amen? That's a difference. If you're a great therapist, you never tell people what to do. A great therapist, what they do is they let you go through the process where you discover what you need to do, and you're like, hmm. But that's how a therapist works. Then you leave and say, I have this whole thing figured out. Why did I pay her or him so much? Well, that's why, because while you were in the room with him, you discovered the answer to your need, right? It was inside of you. See, great therapists, they help you process and help you discover what is inside of you that needs to be unwrapped. But that's not who Jesus is. He's not the wonderful therapist. He is the wonderful counselor. And there is a difference. 
Jesus isn't there just to help you process what you should. He's actually there as the wonderful counselor to share his wisdom with you so that you can know what you should do. Like there's a difference between a coach and a mentor. And my coach told me, a mentor gives you the best of themselves and a coach pulls the best out of you. I need both. How about you? You know, a lot of us, just want a coach, we want Jesus to be our coach. We just want him to pull the best out in us, which by the way, he does do that. He pulls the best. In fact, Jesus is such a good coach, he knows what's inside of you before you even know what's inside of you and the greatness of who you are and he calls that out of us. That's true. But, but we gotta understand he, he's more than that. Not only that, Jesus is a great mentor because he gives you the best of himself and he gives it to you for free. That's a great thing, right? I think the challenging thing sometimes is we just want God to be our coach just to pull out the best in us but not tell us what to fix in our life, right? But there are things in our heart in our life that need to be fixed and they need to be changed and I need to die to myself daily and I need to adjust and there's things that need to happen in me. But what the scripture tells us is Jesus would become our wonderful counselor where he will be ever present with us with us. Listen, as long as you and I are, and our soul is moving in alignment with God's wisdom, you and Jesus are going to have a really easy flow. Isn't that true? You ever found that to be true? Like your soul is right with God. Things are just flowing in a great direction with him. But the moment you and I get out and move out of God's wisdom, he is going to become an irritant to you. Isn't that true? That, that when we move out of that flow, we begin to get irritated, and that's the work of the Spirit. God, get off my back. I don't even want to hear that anymore, right? I don't need to hear that. And you have to decide in your life whose wisdom is the final authority. Is it your own, or is it God's? So if I climb a mountain, and you know I'm not a great mountain climber, and I, and I make my way up, and I make my way back down, and there at the base is a great mountain climber, He's never even climbed that mountain before. He's better than me, but he's not more experienced than me on that mountain. What can happen sometimes in our life is if you're better, you don't want to listen to the person who has actually been there. And think, that's why I think many times in our lives, we live in destructive relationships and we live in destructive habits in our heart. You may be more talented than the person that's been walking with Jesus, but it doesn't mean you're wiser. Our talent is never the replacement for the wisdom that we need in God. I don't know about you, I pray for wisdom not one time a day, but many times throughout any given day. How about you? That God, I need wisdom in this matter because I don't even know what I am going to do next. Never be afraid to ask God for wisdom. He's a wonderful counselor, which inside of Scripture means he's an awesome guide. He will guide you, and he's so awesome. So listen, if we do not learn to listen to the voice of God in our lives, we'll never, we'll never move to the level of being fully alive in the life that Jesus intends for us to live. Amen? He helps us with our problems. We realize he gives us wisdom and counsel, and he is awesome and he is wondrous. He is. So God's plan through Jesus Christ is wisdom, whether you want it or not. When you, when you first recognize who Jesus is and you, you want forgiveness, 
you don't know down the road that wisdom's a part of the package, do you? That you need his wisdom. But he says not only in this, that's who he is to us, but you get his wisdom, but strength. Not, not only wonderful counselor, but he is mighty God, which seems redundant if you're God, of course, you're mighty. Yet there are many people throughout history that thought, well, what's going on in the world because it's upside down? How can God be all-powerful if there's so much suffering in the world? And some people come to the conclusion, well, God's good, but he isn't powerful enough to fix things that are a problem. But God wants you to know today that because of who he is as mighty God, that he is powerful enough to fix every crisis and every dilemma in your life today. He is able. That, that, that he's there when you're going through a challenge today, of course, in the midst of many things that we realize that many of us don't turn to God's strength until we have no strength of our own left. And some people get this because God, they think God's just trying to break them down all the time and make them weak and smash them under his feet. Listen, you do not need God's strength when you are weak only. You need God's strength when you are strong. Because God's strategy with you isn't just going to let you get weaker and weaker until you just finally realize that you can't do it without me. What it, what it kind of is, is that's kind of moving you in your life from worse to average maybe. But what God wants to do in your life is he wants to teach you how to be strong, how to live in your strength and realize what he's called you to do is far beyond your greatest strength and that you realize his strength to live the life that he has created you to live. Hey, I am like you. I've said, oh God, I can't even make it through today, right? I don't even need your hands up to see we've all prayed that prayer sometime or another in our life. I'm going through this moment. I'm going through this season. Moments you just feel so weak like, God, I need a, an oxygen mask from you to make it through because I'm barely getting by. But listen, if that's the only time you test God in his strength, you're missing the point. When David went to war against Goliath, it wasn't a weak day. It was his strongest day against an opponent too strong for him without God. That's why we need to find the strength of God in our strength, not just in our weakness. Amen? That you would, you would, you would see your strength as weakness because your strength isn't enough to live the life that God created you to live. And this is all a part of his plan that you would have, yes, his wisdom, you would have his strength, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and everlasting father. See, seeing God as a father can kind of bring up all kinds of things in people's lives, can't it? I mean, why not mother, right? Because you got to understand, back then, fathers were popular. It was positive. Some people's experience with their father is all negative, their earthly father. So when we talk about everlasting father, we start thinking about our earthly father. And for some, that's just not a good memory. Some of you have never even known your earthly father, and you can't get past that in your life. You just want to know your dad. And you know what? I think that that is 
so important and, and so viable. And, and uh, God wants you to do that, but sometimes there's never that connection. But I don't think you ever grow out of that if you've never known your earthly father. That's why so many people are trying to connect their life to something else that they want to connect back into their biological bloodline. That's why people even want to dig back into 23andMe or whatever it may be to check your DNA, where you came from, because there is just something that God has put within us that we would be connected to those that are around us so that we can try to find our meaning on this earth. God designed us to find our identity and value in him first, which is, by the way, why he's your everlasting father. Because he knows our earthly fathers don't meet up to the standard even when we're doing our best. Your identity needs to be in the one that's everlasting, who goes beyond time. I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to solve a problem by pretending the problem doesn't exist? Right? That's what we've done with the language of fathers. We just believe fathers can just be good. Average, maybe. So we're trying to eliminate the language of fathers in our world. Do you see this? And the best way to understand and look at this is you say, well, maybe it would be better to say everlasting mother. No, that's not what it should be. But they've surely proven themselves, most of them, throughout time. I get it, but no. Better yet, we men should step up and be better fathers. How about that? Can I hear an amen? You say, well, I don't even have kids. You can still be a dad. I mean, don't go have sex and have a baby. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm saying you can still be a father to someone who desperately needs a father figure in their life. You can still invest in somebody today. You can help them understand where the source of their life is, where their identity is, and their value as a person. You know, a lot of our identity struggles are wrapped up in a broken relationship with our dads many times. We're not designed to live our lives apart from the people who created us in the first place. We're designed to know our value from where we come and who we belong to. So when God becomes your everlasting father, he solves the problem for eternity. He will always give you your identity, always give you your value until you are based on belonging to him. That's the plan of God for you and me. That's the gift we need. See, we live in a time in our society where many people are trying to find their value in things that are so secondary, right? I am this and I am that. Yeah, if you're with me, yeah, that's great. If you're not, now you're out. The truth is we're so fragmented in our identity that we have no room for anyone else, let alone the Christ child. And maybe we don't want relationship with others because we don't even know who we are. But when you connect with Jesus and he becomes your everlasting father, he begins to build an identity where you're rooted in, not just in the people you're around, not just in the world that you live in, but you find it in him. So he gives you wisdom and he, he gives you strength, but he also gives you this wonderful thing. And I don't know about you, the everlasting father, do you ever find yourself ever stuck in time? I do. God has an eternal perspective. So you, you can't convince him, God, this moment is the most important moment in my life right now, forever will be. You ever cried prayers like that? Yeah. Right now, right now, would you please fix this? Please, show up. God's looking 
from an eternity, an eternal perspective in his life, in who he is. You think it's huge, it's important to God, it's important to you, but it's a blink in time. No, my whole world, God, you don't understand that. My whole world is falling apart right now. It's all over. God's like, if you could just see things from my perspective, no, I don't want to see things from your perspective, God. But if you could just see things that you understand of who he is and the greatness of who he is, that he has this eternal mind, this eternal perspective, that he's looking at your situation and my situation, our circumstances today, and he's seen it from who he is in eternity. See, what happens is, is we then run from our problems to more problems. This is the most important. We run from our pain to more pain, from disappointments to more disappointments. And singles, this can happen to you. You run from being alone so you go date the wrong person. Or you're so desperate that you marry the wrong person. Or you're in a marriage relationship today, you have a covenant before God, and you're like, I want out of this marriage. And so you're going to run from that and get into another bad situation. And what we have to see that God is our everlasting Father. God never fixes things temporarily so that we'll just be okay. Right? God wants you more than just okay. God looks at the whole long-term outcome, and he knows it will eventually get better, though we think, wow, it's never going to get better. And I think we need to realize the plan of God in which Jesus is trying to give you is that we can miss with all the other things that are wrapped up in this season, the lights, the trees, the running, the to and fro, wisdom, identity. And he's also trying to give you peace because it says then he will be called Prince of Peace. That his plan for us is to want his peace and his rule. But here's what I want to say. God only brings peace where he rules. And we're trying to, in our Western mindset, disconnect those things. God can never bring you his peace if he doesn't rule in your heart and in your life. God, just give me your peace. God says, I'll give you peace where I rule. And if I rule in you, you have my supernatural peace to make it through any circumstance and situation you're going through today. Amen? His rule and his peace always go together. You can never disconnect it. So how's your blood pressure this time of year? How's your blood pressure? We are amped up, aren't we? Some of you are like, I didn't even need the holidays. My blood pressure was high before I got to the holidays, months ago, right? You ever, ever, ever had somebody take your blood pressure and ask, are you under stress? What do you mean am I under stress? I'm under life, right? They have no idea. They just know your blood pressure's high. You're under life. Are you on the same planet? That's what you want to say, but you don't say. I'm alive. I have a job. I'm married. I have kids. It's stressful. The, the peace that Jesus gives us can be so elusive that even when you believe in Jesus, sometimes you're like, I don't even know. See, maybe the peace that Jesus is waiting for just hasn't been activated in your life because he doesn't rule, because you're trying all this stuff on your own, doing your way. Your way. God's plan for your life is to allow him to rule, and then you can have his peace. His wisdom is waiting for you. His strength is waiting for you. His identity is waiting 
for you. His peace today is waiting for you. But you know what the thing with it is? Is we've never activated in our life. It's available to us, but we have to take it in because it is to us. And we have to activate those things. It's already been provided for. And these names are the things that we desperately want and things we desperately need. But you and I have to activate it. You're going to have to unwrap it. You're going to have to unwrap it. Maybe you realize today Jesus has come. This is all done for us through a child, through the Son of God came, that forgiveness came to us, and freedom came to us, that Jesus came to us. But what he is doing today is he's waiting for you and me to respond to this. So today, before we pray, out of these four titles today, which one do you need the most right now in this service? Yeah, we need all of them. But which one do you need the most? The wonderful counselor? That he is your guide today? Or maybe it's mighty God? He's able to fix the crisis and the dilemmas of your life today. Everlasting Father, that you understand, he sees from uh, an eternal perspective today. And what you're going through is so important, but you got to understand sometimes in the pain, it's taken a little longer because he sees what's happening in your life and he knows what's going to take place through it. And then Prince of Peace, that all of these things are available to you and to me. Jesus has already come. Are you ready to unwrap it? Are you ready to live in it? Are you ready? In one of those titles today, would you take a moment? What do you need the most right now in this earth? Not tomorrow, today. You're in today. What is it as you turn your heart to the Lord today? You need a guidance. You need direction. God's here to give you his wisdom. You can ask him for it, whatever it is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus and that you are the Prince of Peace. I pray for every person in this room, for those that are watching online today, that Lord, they would understand that God, you bring peace where you rule. So Lord, may we give our whole life to you so that you can bring peace. Mm. somebody is wrestling today Mm. Father come and rule in our Be our everlasting Father today. We activate that. Mighty God for every circumstance, problem in our life. It won't be fixed overnight, but God, you will eventually do what you want to do in us. And that you are the wonderful, wonderful counselor for people in this room that are going through things that have perplexed them. Would you make it known, God, right now and give us wisdom and give us counsel and direction, Lord. Not only today, but in the days ahead. 
So, Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are all of these things to us and more. We pray that in your mighty name. And everyone said, Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.